Welcome to the Business Magazine Property Podcast in partnership with MSP Capital. This will bring you fresh perspectives from key figures in the property industry in the south of England and will explore the challenges, but more importantly, the opportunities that are present within the market. Today we are joined by Adam Tovey of MSP Capital, Nigel Price from Goldsbake and James Kidner from Trafowens. We'll start with Adam. Adam, if you could be a bit of your background and a bit of your expertise. Yeah, of course. Um, I've been at MSP now for 14 years. I'm one of the directors. Um, I'm a chartered surveyor and I um, head up our lending, credit and risk team. I'm Nigel Price, uh, chairman of Gosby Residential, local independent firm of estate agents. We've been around for 60 odd years and I've been involved in residential agency now for just over 45 years. Expertise, most probably lends leans towards sort of new homes is is my big expertise. I am a partner at Trithowns. This is the sixth year I've been there and I head up the commercial property team for Dorset. Um, I am a qualified solicitor and with a particular specialism in development and probably within that residential development, which I've been doing for most of my career. Thanks for, for joining us here today on uh, the first, first episode of uh, a podcast series, which we run throughout the year and, and, and beyond. So I think we're in quarter one. It's a good place to look ahead to mm. see where we are. So question for, for the table, um, where do the opportunities lie in 2024 in the South property market? I think from my point of view, we've certainly seen a, a big uptake. There's a lot more activity going on, which is fantastic. I think for our part of the world, it's very much down to people still want to live by the coast uh, and we're still seeing uh, certainly got a development at the moment over in Weymouth. I think 90% of our buyers have actually come from out of the area. So I think our, our opportunity is the one that's always been here, which actually is people want to live here. I think the work from home is most probably helping that as well because you can now come and live on the coast because you're working from home, you haven't got to go up to London. So that's sort of opportunities. Other opportunities, um, it'll be nice if people were building more for rentals. I have to say we have a huge demand for rented accommodation so we could see more development for that. That would be great. Those are most probably the opportunities I see for our particular area here on the south coast. We are quite lucky, I suppose, being next to the sea. Yeah, people, like Nigel says, want to come down here. Um, it's generally a slightly more affluent part of the world, um, which helps people wanting to build here as well as move here. Um, it's got to work for developers, and we find that people want to build in the south of England. I mean, certainly Dorset's incredibly competitive. There are niche parts of Hampshire, Wiltshire, where um, there's a strong demand for land from developers because they can see uh, an exit route to buy, find people who wants to buy the products. From my perspective, it was that last year dealing with the plot sale work was more and more challenging. Um, there's no question about that. Um, the year seems to have started with what feels like elements of good news in the mortgage markets and rates seem to be either under control or certainly in that downward trajectory now. So interest on sites from site agents, etc. that seems to be more of a buzz. I think there is lots of um, stats out there from some of the big you know, right moves and the rest of it that actually visits to the site have increased and so on. So there's a little bit of good news. And I think that that is an opportunity in itself where people have a little bit more confidence in the thing that they are doing. And I think that yeah, picking up on Adam's point, I think down here is an extremely attractive uh, area for developers, but particularly um, for SME developers. So I'm not talking about 
the big PLC type businesses. I'm talking about well-established regional property developers down here um, who you know, are, are creating those dreams for people, you know, and, and, and that, that continues. And those guys, yeah, they are, they're, they're good business people, but they, you know, they are hand to mouth type businesses in lots of ways. You know, they are, they are sweating their capital as best as they can. And so I think that those, that, that, that positivity in the mortgage market is, is going to bolster their enthusiasm, I think, for, for, for the year ahead. And that's not necessarily just for the things that they're building. Cause I, mean, I was reading somewhere they reckon 40% of some of our developers products aren't getting mortgages. They're downsizers. So they're yeah. cash buyers. Yeah. But the problem isn't with the product they're trying to sell. It's with the chains. So, so by having a little bit more yeah. hopeful, hopefully some um, positive news on mortgages, it means people lower down in the chain mm. are able to sell mm. their stuff. I mean, chains must be a huge problem. I'm guessing for you, is it? Yeah, we, 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 we'll always have chains involved. Actually, certainly from our point of view, um, the start to the year was not what we were expecting. Uh, you know, And I mean this in a very positive way. So I think our, our professional sales are sort of 37% up on this time last year for the same sort of period of time. So clearly people are out there. Uh, they do want to get on and make a decision. And I think James is absolutely right. I think the, the drop in the sort of uh, fixed rate mortgages, I think caught everyone by surprise. I don't think any of us saw that coming, to be honest with you, in January. And I think people just got out there and they want to get on and buy somewhere now. There must be a lot of pent-up demand from last year. An awful lot of people didn't do something that last year. And I reckon this year they're now thinking mortgage rates settled, dropping, Actually, I want to do something. So I think that bodes well for the market generally, but also for our, our new owned operators. That's right. I mean, I, I spent all of last year trying to sell a house, actually, which was a complete nightmare uh, for all of the reasons that, that Nigel said. But the, the, the other element that you touched on it is the, is the rental market. The, 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 yeah, rents are increasing at a rate that I don't think has been seen for an enormous amount of time, you know, and, and year on year on year. And the, there are people that are sat there waiting for that best moment you know is is this the moment that i i pounce you know yeah. but actually i think that the pressure point with the rents increasing now that the, their hand is being forced you know there is no more time to waste you know you have got to make a decision on some of this stuff your deposit your savings are being eroded by these enormous rents that you're having to pay and i think that that is now forcing people to the table what's causing that increase in rent well, I think at the moment, I'm, 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 I'm honestly not sure, but, but, but I, I don't. We don't have a lot of institutional sort of renting type landlords, so I don't know. But, but anecdotally, I'd spoken with a guy that does hold um, a, a, an enormous amount of rental property, and he'd said that really, until for a long time, until about 2015, 2016, the rents that he was making year on year on year were pretty static. It might increase by nominal amounts of money every year, and then something happened around that time. And it spiked, and uh, he's not quite sure. I suspect um, that, that this is, you know, in large part, people wanting to move into areas a bit like this, for example, and can't quite get there. Um, but I don't know, Nigel. You, what, what do you say? Uh, with, with certainly rents have increased, and I would say certainly in the last twelve months, I reckon they've gone up ten percent. There is a huge scarcity of rental property. I think a lot of landlords have left, unfortunately, the residential lettings market because of the various things the government have been doing, which hasn't encouraged by any stretch of the imagination. I think obviously some of them are having to remortgage. And of course, when they go to remortgage, having perhaps been on one or two percent, actually you could be up to six or seven percent, they become unviable and therefore they pull out of the market. So uh, I can honestly say that you know, the government's done everything to actually get rid of landlords. It's worked really well, which is not the idea. Consequently, we have this great scarcity 
So consequently, still there's big demand for rented accommodation, hence the rents have gone up. I mean, I think when our local offices came in, launched a couple of lettings upon the oath the weekend, she came into 56 inquiries on Monday morning. That is just amazing, really. But it's not good. It's not good news, really. That's why I think if we could see more investment locally in a sort of PRS type situation, I know that one or two things being looked at at the moment mm. would be very exciting and would help dramatically. Because rents are just, I think, and I think it then makes it very difficult for people to save their deposit if they're paying. And let's be honest, a thousand pound a month is not uncommon. Yeah. You're paying that out. How do you then try and save your deposit to try and get on the property ladder? So I can understand people's frustration when they're paying big rents, but actually their mortgage would almost be less. They just haven't got the deposit. So I don't know quite how we overcome that situation. It would be good if we could. Tied into that increase in demand, increased rents. Is it fair to say that the demographic of people looking to buy properties on, on the South Coast has, has changed since the pandemic ability to work from anywhere? Or is that what you're seeing in the marketplace? Are you still seeing the same type of buyers coming through? I'm sure we are seeing more people moving here because they can now. Whereas perhaps pre-pandemic, when they had to go perhaps to London every day, they didn't live down here. Now you can. I think that certainly has helped. Moving on to funding, that there's no money can do, can build. So Adam, what, what does the funding landscape look like in 2024? How easy is it to get capital for new projects? And what do you look for when lending to a new project? I think the funding landscape in 2024 is fine. If it's the right type of product, product project and the right um, location, um, I think Definitely, and over the course of the last 12 to 18 months, we've seen um, your more traditional sources of high street lenders pull back further, uh, which obviously creates opportunities for other lenders. Um, the deals are there for people. I think land prices and the amount of money that people need to put in accordingly um, in terms of LTVs from a lending perspective has changed. So historically, you would see people lending 70, maybe even 80% LTVs. Those days are, are long gone. Um, so what that means from a developer's perspective is they need to have more funds to put into a deal. And therefore, they perhaps can't do as many deals as they once would like to. Back to James's point, they're sort of hand-to-mouth guys. They're trying to make their equity work as much as possible. Um, but the support is there. So if you've got the right, um, if you've got the right product, you're building, you've got a, a track record, um, you know, we are actively lending money. We've continued to actively lend money throughout, well, the, the whole time the company's been going. We didn't stop. We didn't stop during COVID and we haven't stopped last year all this. Um, it's about those opportunities being presented to us and um, the, the work to the metrics that we require. Um, you sort of said, what what are those? What do we look for? So location. Um, again, we're fortunate to be in the south of England. We have a number of schemes in the south of England. We, we lend all over the country, but we like it in the South. We know there's a market. We know that our clients can repay us, which is really, really important. So that's another element that we always... But it's such an important thing. You know, there's all very well building a nice house or 10 houses. If you can't sell them, yeah. you know, you don't make any money. We're stuck with assets or they're stuck with assets. So it's not a win-win situation. We would like our developers to build a scheme, sell the, sell the houses, repay us and do another scheme with us. I mean, that's our perfect dream. Um, which sort of ties in probably yeah. with both you guys as well. You know, yeah. you want to sell products. You don't want to turn up at a site and say and find that, you know, the developer's aspirations are a million pounds and the reality is is half a million pounds because it's just a disappointing conversation for all. So doesn't work. Um asset type, 
really important. Right product, right location. Um, no point in building, you know, one bed flats in the middle of the countryside if there's no demand for it. So sounds really simple, but get get the product right for um, who you're targeting at the end. Um, the borrower quality, really important to consider. Um, we have a range of different types of borrowers that we lend to. So we lend to somebody who might be starting on a journey of property development and we'll support them. We'll provide them with some guidance and and help where we can to suggest sort of things that they might want to consider. And then we have people who have got multiple schemes building 50, 100 units a year. So, um, but we always are looking at, you know, do they do they know end of what they're doing? Have they got a plan? So if you've never done property development before, have you got a mains contractor who are going to help you? Or do you have a team of people who are going to be able to get you through the process? Because again, we don't want and they don't want to start a project and then find themselves halfway through with it all going wrong. And we will sort of scratch our head a little bit about how to get it finished. So, um, and yeah, and then that exit route, good agents are helpful, good solicitors are helpful. Um, but, you know, make sure you get your money back at the end. Yeah. And what do you find is the most satisfying part of your job? Is it getting something through to completion, seeing project being built that you've funded? What, what do you find is the most rewarding part of your, your day job? Yeah, I think we, we help people and um, we always do try and help and we sort of say that we do relationship banking and I do genuinely believe we do relationship banking. So um, clients can call us whenever they've got problems or not problems, just to, to chat or what do you think about this? Or um, And it's nice to see, to be able to provide that level of support and then to see a project get to the end and then we do another one and another one. And I've had clients I've been dealing with for 12 14 years i've got a client that calls me every two years with the next little part of a scheme and we do another one and another one and another one and that's really nice and they always come back and i think once you've got relationships um with clients and you've sort of got a track record and they understand what we do they want to come back and use us again and again and again how's the strength of collaboration within property industry within the south i think it's quite strong to be honest with you, I think we, I think we do all talk to each other and obviously try to help each other. So if there's a project coming up and we can help with some advice, you know, legally as well. I'd like to think we try and work together as best we can. I think, as Adam said, also that what you want these people then to do is to go on to the next one and the next one. And very much the same situation. Adam, I've got clients I've had, I'm sure James had dealt with for years and years, and they come back to you because you've got that, hopefully that knowledge. You know the other people involved. Um, and try and make it as easy as you can. Development's not easy, but I think to get the right people, it can work very well. Property development and the property industry down here is incredibly social, actually. And I do think there's lots and lots of opportunities to um, to speak with your colleagues from all different firms. And I think generally there is a spirit of wanting to work together. And I think that we live and die by the same deals, in all honesty. I, I don't think there's any advantage really in in being anything other than collaborative i think that if you you have a contentious mind the biggest thing that binds us together at the moment and the opportunity generation is is within the planning side of things and 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 that is less collaborative at the moment and that is a real hot potato unfortunately we all accept that there is an enormous disconnect at the moment between the, the, the real life delivery of opportunity. So never mind how good your lawyer is, never mind how good your funding is, never mind how good your agent is. In fact, if 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 there is a complete log jam in the planning system, you know, none of us are making any money. Which takes us yeah. nicely on to the next point, which is pressure points on the industry. It, the planning pressure point is an accepted point. 
down here quite what they do about it i think everybody's got an opinion about it um but um at the moment yeah it's a it's a it's a government department it's going to need to sort itself out uh, and there's real life problems with that um the, the 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 there are other elements at the moment so planning aside another thing that needs to be considered is something called biodiversity net gain which we're which we're talking more and more about which is some hatchet legislation that nobody really knows how it works um but the, the but in broad speak um ultimately you 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 you, you get your planning uh, you're now going to need to demonstrate how you basically reintroduce the biodiversity that is sacrificed as a consequence of your development um and nobody actually really knows how that works at the moment and and so it's another element and another layer of cost and consideration that developers are going to need to consider and at the moment you know that is just a moving feast a little bit and they they sort of legislation was due to be passed i think at the end of last year and it got kicked into this year um and um we're all just kind of we're kind of waiting um but but in terms of um how you know adam's clients certainly w- would be looking at how they cost sites and they'd have you know i pay that for that and this for this and da 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 yeah th- this is another element that now needs to be introduced so that already squeezed uh percentage is 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 going to be squeezed even more you know and and i think that um you know people coming into this industry you know, younger and younger and younger and, and possibly they just accept it now right they just they don't know any different they just accept it but but i i know people at the other end of their careers and and it's this they're starting to feel like this is death by a thousand cuts you know do i just call it in now you know i'm 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 probably slightly too young to retire, but I've had enough, you know. And do I just have a slightly, uh, yeah, reduced retirement mm. plan? Um, because actually, the, the the sense is it's not getting planning, building, and selling it anymore. It's it's a, it's a huge amount of other things that wrap around that that are becoming a constant source of agitation and frustration. Pressure points for you, Nigel. It's the planning one, which is James. Without any doubt, every conversation I have. Any of our local developers, the one thing they'll all moan about, I'm afraid to say, is the planning situation, which I have to say, I actually think is getting worse. I don't see any signs of any improvement. Uh, great inconsistencies. They, you know, they do a pre-app, indicated what they need to do, put a planning permission bill, you know, based on that pre-app, and then they come back and say, no, that's not what we want. So, great inconsistencies. I mean, and the horror stories. I mean, people literally. One locally, I think you're telling me he's been five years. Should get planning this month. It's taken him five years. He said it's actually site sort of zoned for development in effect. Um, and I think he said he ended up having to buy it unconditionally. I think he spent 150 thousand pounds just holding that site, and that's not uncommon. So at the target date, you know, how how quick should have five years? I hear it as well, but I mean, aren't they they sort of say within three months, don't they, that they should be determining things. A large application will be determined within about thirteen weeks or something. But I think that's that's gone, and so us talking about timings is probably just going to agitate people. Yeah, uh, but 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 but, but, but it's in the context. It, yeah, hundred percent. But but to t- I mean to to draw that back to the comment I made earlier about the types of developers that are in the market. Yeah, it's the SMEs that are driving this market. You know, the PLCs are doing what they're doing, but the SMEs are so important to this ecosystem, so important. And they're the ones that don't have as much money as these guys, right? So they can't hold land for very long periods of time. Invariably, they can't get into strategic acquisition and no. bury, you know, two million quid into yeah. promotional costs. They can't do that. And so what they then end up with is relatively short term purchase contracts for let's say a couple of years. Well, once upon a time, that felt like a very, very long time. 
And actually what is happening is they're getting into these contracts, they're spending legal fees and surveyors fees and all the rest of it, planning fees and such like. And then they're having to go back to these homeowners and say, I've still not got a determination on my planning. These people spent their money two years ago in their heads. And now they're being asked to stand on for another year or two years and so forth. And actually, people are just running out of energy with that. And so what happens? The developer may actually then have to put his hand in his pocket and say, I'll give you another 20000 I'll give yeah. you another 30000 50000 whatever. And there's still no guarantee that anything is going to happen. So these guys that are sweating their capital, you know, these are the, these are the really, really important bit of this industry. The, the, the pressure now, even just to keep their feet at the table, because of the planning situation, is, is, is almost at the unsustainable point. I, th- I think the frightening stat is it uh, 200,000 plots waiting, I think, because of nitrates and phosphate. Well, just down here? Across the country, I think, okay, be fair, but that's 200,000 homes that can't be built because they're waiting to determination on nitrates and phosphates. You think, well, coming back to your point, what does that generate economically if all those properties got built? Phenomenal amount, actually. So, and nitrate seems to come in and go and come in and go. I'm still not 100% sure I fully understand well, nitrate. That's fine. Nobody does. No. <laughs> and, 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 and unfortunately, you're, you are in a, an enormous boat of people that also has the same views. And, um, you know, there are people that are a little bit ahead of the game. But going back to the, you know, the profitability and all the rest of it and how we make these things work, it's another element. It's another factor. And unfortunately, that there are local authorities who are able to sit behind the idea that there is legislation which just is getting kicked around and kicked around and kicked around. It's getting changed and changed and changed. And until that comes out and everybody knows what they're working with, it is very, very difficult for a local authority to have policy that they can stand on with it. And so at the moment, I'm afraid, you've just got sites up and down the country that are in lockup, just waiting for this to wasn't, happen. Wasn't all of Solent on hold yeah. for a period of around Solent was 12 yeah. months? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. While they were waiting on government? Yeah, because I, I, I know people who bought sites unconditionally mm. are just sat there waiting for the nitrates, phosphates to get sorted so they can actually get on site and start developing. And, and all this costs more, and therefore the developer has to spend more money on delivering the scheme, and therefore the only thing that really can change is A, their profit, Obviously, they want to make some money, and the sort of developers that we're talking about don't make fortunes. You know, the big guys probably have significant margins, but these guys don't. They make relatively small amounts of money, 10 to 15% on a sign, yeah. um, and therefore the only other thing they can sweep the land prices, but then landowners don't want to sell land nope. for less than they feel it's worth. So the cycle just continues. Opportunities to find land priced correctly that works in the right location, right product, all that sort of same sort of things. It's a challenge. Yeah. Looking ahead to 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 the rest of twenty twenty four, we've touched on one trend which is increasing working from home. What do we think are the key trends to watch out for in the year ahead? I appreciate this is a property podcast, but the the, the, the working from home thing has been this um it's always existed, but it's been accelerated really since COVID. And businesses that may have had something to do with working from home have now had to introduce policies. We are no exception to that. We are a business that has to you know, roll with the times and, and, and try to support what people want and, and so forth. There is a growing um, force, I think, you know, particularly in city centres, London and, and certainly in the States, where, where actually the working from home thing, that people are starting to walk back on that a little bit. And I think that there is going to be an increase in pressure on people going back to work. That's not to say that's right or wrong, by the way, 
but actually there's a lot of people that are hedged during uh, the COVID period. They've relocated on the strength of probably an ongoing policy that that may change. Um, And so anecdotally, I hear that there are people who move to the outskirts of London who are starting to move back into London. Um, And so, yeah, it, it, could that continue to happen? Possibly, you know, and, and where, where does that mean for, what does that mean for the Solent? Does it mean that people, you know, then seek to relocate? I don't know, but, but it, it's, it's, it's certainly an element that, that may start to change during the course of next year and, and people's expectations of their staff. I think, I think generally the market feels a bit more buoyant without a doubt. And therefore, I would imagine one of the key trends is going to be, hopefully, we're going to see a few more schemes subject to planning kick on. Um, people continue to get sales off plan, um, do the net, do the next scheme, do the next. You know, we, The developers that we tend to deal with, as James has mentioned, need to keep going. This is how they pay their mortgage and feed okay. their family. And therefore, they do need to keep finding opportunities and a more buoyant market helps that so that's a i think that's a a positive thing that we expect to see um you know we are gearing up to provide support to our clients um we've already gone and got some credit agreed facilities for certain people to give them sort of funding lines of 10 12 15 million pounds so we would like to support people doing the right projects um so i i anticipate the market subject to the election not completely derailing it continue to improve because one would assume it's an opportunity for the new government or the current government staying in to sort of kick forward um policies which will enable development to happen because it's a bit of a feel good Mm. so um the other thing that i i'm seeing when we've touched on this as well is renting people are doing much more build to rent so historically someone would build a block of flats and sell them off now they want to keep them so they are building the flats and then getting long-term high street debt on them and then keeping them and renting them out to people um it's a model that has historically been in larger cities but we're seeing it more and more down here um and then if you're seeing the same but it's uh yeah it it, it works to a, an extent and what, what it tends to do is it's sort of because they're looking at an income stream moving forward opposed to selling each individual unit off it means that there's potentially a little bit more money at the end to offset Land price is not necessarily working perfectly, mm. giving them the right profit level. So you basically haven't got to make as much profit because you're going to keep the units. Mm. I think we've certainly seen a few local developers who are doing exactly that, Adam, actually sort of building a block of flats, they retain it. It's actually their pension for the future, isn't it, actually? Mm. Whereas I think 10, 15 years ago, you didn't see that. But because rentals is so strong, they actually see that as, as one as going. I think from from my perspective, I think what we want to see this year is I hope it's just more transactions being done um, not necessarily house prices rising dramatically, though it's interesting some people are now changing their forecasts for this year, whereas back end of last year they were talking about we would see house prices decrease, and now saying actually they most probably won't. So I think from our point of view, it's simply it's see more transactions happening, not necessarily prices increasing. Be interested to see what happens with the budget. Will there be anything for property in there? Be interested to see whether that happens. Will we get a sort of proper interest rate reduction? Talking about May, June, and how many will there be this year? So I think lots of things could happen. Uh, and obviously, then obviously, election as well will be a bit of an interesting one. Uh, so from our point of view, it's just more transactions, not necessarily prices rising dramatically. And I'm guessing prices stable. That's what I would like to see. Yeah, at the moment, if I'm honest with you, we would most probably like to see a bit more coming onto the market. Certainly, instructors have picked up this month dramatically as compared to last year. So I think there's a real 
more far more positive feel to the start of this year uh, than the last, which did feel you know blue up. I sat in a meeting um, a while back um, with someone, and and they they made a really good point, and I've, I've said it a few times since. And that is that you, you're right. We started, and it feels a bit more positive in the market because, in lots of ways, it feels like the bad news is on the table. Like we've we've had so much in the way of bad news over the last few years, wars, um, interest rates, all these different things that have been the COVID. You know, they've all been there. There's this growing sense that once you're faced with all of the bad news, yeah. we're, we're pretty resourceful people, right? And that all of a sudden you can start to work with that bad news. You can start to plan. You can start to do these different things. But yeah, that constant stream, for example, of interest rate rises, if, you know, that was doing nothing to help anybody. Yeah, COVID, you know, yeah. wars, all of this bad news. And yeah, I'm not saying that maybe there isn't some more bad news, but it feels like there's a lot already out there that we're now dealing with in one way or another. And that's probably, you know, eventually we're, we're you know, Great Britain, and you just sort of stiff up a lip and you yeah. start to get on with this stuff, you know, and, and, and it feels like when there's a bit of certainty, there is a bit of positivity around yeah. it. You can start to plan. That's the important thing. It's certainty. Stability. Yeah. You can deal with yeah. house prices going up, house prices going down. We can deal with land prices being all over the place. It's when it changes and it's volatile. Yeah. That's when it's challenging. Mm-hmm. People have got to make decisions without having information available to them. And a year of stability, yeah. ideally with some favourable interest rate movements would be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, no doubt, we get on terms people just don't make decisions. They just sit on their hands. And I think we sort of clearly saw that last year. There was massive uncertainty about all kinds of things that obviously James has touched on. Those do seem to have sort of disappeared, for want of a better term. And we are starting to see, fortunately, some actually sort of more slightly positive news. Um, but unfortunately, with this sort of inflation rate sort of just bubbling up a little bit, whether that will, you know, but hopefully that will start to drop again. Uh, and I think all that added together. Um, I think that people out there do want to get on and do something, actually. So hopefully this year they'll feel more encouraged to do so, um, and that will help the overall market. And I'd like to, to finish up on a positive note by asking each of you, what are you most excited about for 2024? What's making you get up in the morning? I'm going to go on more holidays, which I appreciate isn't really, which isn't a free, you know, part of this podcast and, um, and, and, possibly it gets edited out but I, I i think that last year as a as a professional in this industry it was tough yeah there's just no getting around that every phone call that i was having was a difficult phone call and you are managing you you said it you're a relationship lender okay and and i sit well within that camp for me to spend an hour a day talking to a property developer who's sort of regurgitating the same story to me repeatedly it's tiring, you know, and I mean that nicely. You know, they're just trying to vent. They're just trying to get through the day, right? So you spend a year kind of doing that, and then it's all the other stuff. And actually, what else are you doing to get some sort of fulfillment out of out of life when you're just working that hard to try to keep the thing going, keep everything together, et cetera? So, so this year, we've started positively in terms of our my business at the moment. We are very excited actually about how we're coming up to our year end so we're in q4 for our business we're very excited about the way that we are projected to finish so we're you know that is really really positive and um we we, you know there there seems to be more and more people that are still seem to want to get into property development i meet younger and younger and younger property developers which is great and these are people that won't have the same 
concerns around some of the issues that we've talked about today. This might be the first time that some of them have experienced recession-like conditions. You know, maybe there's a humbling and all this sort of stuff. But for me personally, yeah, I want to I want to travel a bit more and and spend time with my spend time with my kids. <laughs> Angel. Well, nothing to do with property at all, actually. But uh, my mother celebrates her hundredth birthday next wow. month. Wow! And if she, how old are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From a personal point of view, if she gets to hundred, I should oh, absolutely wow. choked a bit because that is a real achievement uh, for me. It picks up a bit. Last year was very tough. Um, being an estate agent, we employ a lot of young people. You know, I am an old estate agent. Most of our staff are most probably in their sort of mid twenties. Last year was really tough for them, but in some ways, actually, it's a very good training because it isn't always great. Mm-hmm. You do have to get through these difficult markets. And now I'm saying to them, we've now got to get on and make the most of what is an improving situation. So I think just generally, and, you know, they earn their money by commissions and what have you. So I'd like to see them, uh, you know, doing well, enjoying what they do because. I'm not saying enjoyment went out of it last year, but it did get mighty mm. tough at times and you have to keep motivating people. And I'm hoping this year almost the market will do that for them uh, and they'll be off and away and uh, we'll all benefit from that, uh, which which is great. So that's, I hope those young people can see this is a good industry to be in. It's not always tough like it was last year, but in a funny sort of way, it's not a bad thing, not a bad training. It's educational, isn't it? It, it is. It is interesting. It was interesting for me to see the staff who could react quickly who could see that we had a difficult market and then you need to change what you're doing now you've got to be very quick go the other way now right off we go very positive let's get on with it so um part of my mother's 100th birthday that's me (laughs) um i think james and i had a chat last year and he said when he deals with ourselves we always try and find ways to say yes to try and lend money and we do. We always try and find solutions to problems. We always try and overcome situations. And it was hard work last year. You know, it was hard to say yes. Yeah. It was hard to be supportive of new opportunities because they didn't align with where we needed in the matrix to be. So it would be nice to think yeah. that this year it can be a successful year for everybody. We can support borrowers. We can support schemes. We can take things forward as a, as a group. And um, yeah, we sit in 2025 saying it was a a nice, successful... Yeah, be great. 2020. And celebrating Nigel's 90th, by the way. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing Wimbledon win the league as well, but that's a slightly different story. But, <laughs> but you'll be on holiday, so... Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For our first episode, we've covered a huge breadth of topics. Uh, build to rent, work from home, interest rates, demographical change, and the impact of SME developers on, on driving the economy. I'd like to thank everyone for, for taking part in the podcast. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. I hope everyone has too. Yeah, very much. Uh, to our listeners, I'd, I'd like to please give us feedback. Tell us what we're getting right, what we're getting wrong. And uh, please remember to subscribe. And you'll hear for us next month in episode two. Bye.